Dan's Driving Double Feature presents Howling 2 and 7-2, episode 27. This is a minute-by-minute podcast. We are covering, well, I'm covering and you are listening to me cover, I forgot what I was talking about, Howling 2 and Howling 7, 1985-1994, Howling 2, your sister is a werewolf, also known as Stirba. Werewolf bitch? Is that, pardon my French, but I believe that's the that's the alternate title. I wouldn't say something like that, just, you know, I'm not jejun. You know me. I'm the, the Junist of the June. Um, but I believe that's the alternate title. Isn't that right? And and Howling New Moon Rising, which never had an alternate title, because why would you have an alternate title for Howling 7? Since, since, sincerely. Uh, so, what is... What am I talking about? So, yeah, we're going through these minute by minute. In the, in, um, uh, Howling 2, we're going to start... Uh, as always, we start with Howling 2. And we left off with that old... Uh, werewolf uh, getting getting stabbed through the heart with a titanium stake, saying that Stirba is in the old country, and we're gonna find out what that means. And maybe we'll even go to the old country in this minute, but maybe not. Don't hold me to that. Just, just one word of warning, or, or just uh, some. So you hear something in the background. Normally, where I am, we get the occasional plane of the dog barking. The gardeners will show up sometimes. Well, they only show up once a week, but they seem to show up a lot of times when I'm recording. But it is Halloween time as I'm doing this, so you may hear King Kong in the background. So forgive me. If you don't, good. Um, if you do, good. Uh, regardless, uh, so this minute and ends with she wants to write something and win the pew. Mm. Peppy Le Pew Award. Hmm, she's going to write something and win the... We'll find out next minute what she's going to win. And um, I... I will say, this is a, this is a nice minute. I, I think one of the things I really like about it is that... Well, we get the last shot of the woman who clearly is in D. Wallace uh, in the um, in her coffin. And I I don't... I guess he's killed her? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. She, she's back. She's human again. She's not werewolfy. So that would lead me to believe that um, maybe she's been de-werewolf. But then, of course, those those titanium stakes they're using, they're like it's, it's they're like six, eight inches long. I mean, like maybe eight inches long, I, I guess? Six, seven, eight inches? I mean, you would think, one, it would be tough to close the coffin. And two, I guess if you drive it really in there, though, I guess that would be the point. If you drive it really, really in there, um, so it isn't like, you know, just half sticking out and you're like, oh, who's this? You know, like Frankenstein meets the wolf man, you know, kind of thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess you would drive it in there as far as you can. So it'd be like, in order to pull it out, you'd need super, super strength or like a really nice hammer with a, I don't know. No, it wouldn't have a thing. It doesn't have like a thing at the top, like a nail. 
but but um, there there I like the music in this because it's got like the synth strings mixed with the um, spooky synth that give it sort of a um, they just had to sadly kill this old gentleman who became a werewolf at some point in his life. We don't know his backstory. Did he want to become a werewolf? Didn't he? Who knows he is? And now he's died. And that's mixed with, you see the other woman, the woman who killed the bunch of punks at the warehouse. You see her. Um, and she's got like a werewolf hand, but her face isn't werewolfed. And and she looks very sad. She looks like she's about to howl, but she she doesn't obviously because that would give the game away. But you think... Yeah, you know, they, they probably should stop these werewolves, I guess. But, um, you know, the werewolves are just doing what they have to do to live. So, it's, uh, you, you can see, there's there's a sort of strange melancholy in the first half of a minute. Then the second half of a minute, there's almost, you expect it to end with the A-team theme starting. And Red Brown is very restrained when he says he wants to go to the old country. And, and Chris is great, because you can see in the long shot, when he says... Um, I want to go with you to the old country. You can see Christopher Lee shaking his head like, oh, I ain't taking Red Brown. Mm, kind of looking down. But then they actually get a, a, a medium shot of him looking at the looking towards Red Brown and going like, no, 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 no. And um, at the dis- at, from a distance, it looks like, I, I heard you yelling at everything. There's no way in hell I'm taking you. Uh, but in, in the clo- in the medium shot, it's, it's a bit more of, um, oh, no, I don't think um, that's a good idea to bring someone else into this. But... I have a feeling they're going to be joining him. Um, because this movie's got to get going. We're 27 minutes into the darn thing, and, and we're not um, we're not anywhere near Stirba and everything. But you think about it, it's, it's, it's 91 minutes. We're 27 minutes in now. And what's happened? And really, what's happened? Uh, let's see. Um, uh, the funeral for the sister. Stefan telling them she's a werewolf. She's going to come back to life. They, they, there's the killing with the punks. Okay, that's something. That's something. Um, but that's almost a sidetrack. Um, the killing with the punks sequence, and then um, Red Brown and and uh, and uh, his the gal here. They go to the um, uh, the 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 cemetery. We've had the scene we've had for the the past four or five minutes, and and now we're here. Like not too much has happened, and we're 27 minutes into the film. It's time it gets rolling. I I feel I feel time. To, it's time to get it rolling. I feel weird that if this was if this was the one where Gary Bradner came in and said, "Okay, you know, it was fine what you know Joe Dante and Academy Award winning John Sayles did with um, my first book," but this is the one where we're going to do it right. And I forget who wrote Howling Four, where they really—I told you—where they really try to do it right. How, howling the movie without any laughs or anything, but still worth watching. Um, but Howling Two, Howling Two. Um, I think if this is if this is Gary Bradner kind of sitting down and say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna follow it from the end of the first one, and this is my vision, and you could see vision in it, the half formed werewolf, the titanium uh, um, uh, stakes and bullets, the um, the sort of central werewolf located back in presumably like Transylvania type place, something like that. Um, you could see that being all part of a um, a vision, but the vision doesn't seem to extend to pacing. Because we are a third of the way to the movie, and we haven't really done a whole hell of a lot, so let's hope we do in the next. And I'll I'll just stop it there. Um, it's like I said, it's an interesting melancholy minute when you see the man gradually be, go back into being uh, a a man from from a half wolf, half man into a man, and there's kind of a bit of a um oh dear, there's a brief second of 
Oh, you know, like that moment in Last House on the Left when the parents have killed the original, when the parents have killed all the jerks, and they kind of look around, and they're like, you know, we, we, we revenged our daughter, but what the heck did we just do? That's a you get that for a brief moment here with Red Brown and and and, um, and Christopher Lee, a brief moment of, it's an old guy. I just shot an old guy, you know. Um, so, yeah, regardless or irregardless, let's go on to Howling Seven. And we left Howling Seven. Where do we leave Howling Seven? Oh, someone was like waxing their tires or something, and it was um, looked like we might have another montage. Well, let's see. Listen to this. Jim, you seen Ted? I think he's over there. Ted, Cheryl was looking for you. That's the story of my life, Jim. She's over there. I freeze frame this right at the moment when he says, you know, you look for something and the freeze frame is you see Ted over on the right, you see his, his left shoulder and his lovely beautiful red hair flowing and the main image is, is Cheryl with sort of her hand on her chest like she's been startled and her face looks like a doll's face, a very very pretty doll's face which is um odd uh, I don't know, maybe I'm pervin or something, but it just it just it's just a little weird. It's just a little little strange looking. I don't know. Anyway, she Cheryl is looking in to his room. Um and I'm not sure exactly what it is she's seeing there. I hate to lose the freeze frame, because uh, I liked it, but she's looking in there and she sees Oh, it's his briefcase. Uh, there's a briefcase. For 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 some reason I was watching it. I thought she was looking in the in the room and seeing like a almost like a um uh, like a like a manger display you'd put under a Christmas tree with like ma- little statuettes of Mary and Joseph. I don't know why, but it's actually like the little locks on the edge of the briefcase there. So she's looking in. There's a briefcase sticking out from under his bed, and then and then Ted comes up and startles her. Uh, this minute it is it is Jim the uh, the bartender. I'm sorry, I didn't think it was last time, but he's cleaning. I think he's cleaning off several bikes, and I. It, it, <laughs> It's actually, I wish, um, the, the, the big joke is, you missed the spot. And it is, it is literally, you know, um, uh, when, when, when um, Jim says, oh, Ted's over there. And he points at the little motel area, which I thought Cheryl had just come from. So I guess Gerald, Cheryl, Gerald, Cheryl, that's Jim and Cheryl together. That's Gerald. I guess Cheryl had gone from the motel area I guess to the bar and certainly Jaro is supposed to be there so someone is supposed to be there and now she's returning from the bar asking Jim if he knows and Jim thinks he's at the motel area hotel the area with the rooms but actually Jim uh, 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 Ted kind of walks in from the side which is um, 
where's Ted? He's over there. And then you see Cheryl walking away. Then all of a sudden, Ted walks up like from a completely different direction. Hey, what's going on? Cheryl wants to see you. Oh, she's over there. And he goes, and I, I kind of like the way Jim delivers the lines. and But then the way it does it, which, gosh, I'd love to see this with a, with the... Um, with a with a the big crowd, this um, that that laughter you missed the spot. <laughs> that reminds me of the laughter at the very end of Winter Beast. Um, next time, I forget what the joke is, but after the two guys, the um, the ranger and the guy who runs the general store, um, or is that the guy? They kill the Winter Beast. Spoiler, uh, and they're walking away. Next time, we go skiing or something. Next time, we go fishing or something. He says something like that. And they burst into hysterics as they sort of look up, and it is A-M-U-S-I-N-G. And this is the same way, because Jim is very determinedly uh, cleaning off his his motorcycle. And then all of a sudden, Ted Ted leaves the frame, pause, Ted returns, kneels down, you missed the spot. (laughs) Ted leaves, oh, you Ted, and he begins to clean the spot. Um, I found that very amusing, Um, especially because I like that he's over there thing because clearly when Jim says it he's and, and you see he's over there and then you see the shot of Cheryl walking and she's like I don't know 500 feet from the hotel 1000 feet from the hotel or something I don't know how far away she is from the hotel but it, but she's not like right, there's nothing over there just the hotel motel area so that's um that's kind of uh, over there and she oh thank you it just walks towards it that would I don't know I, I just like that it would be like um yeah, it'd be like the same if I was on one side of the street and there was an apartment building on the other side and you walked up to me and said, hey, do you know where Steve is? He's over there. And I just pointed at the building and you said thanks and walked towards the building. Good luck to you. Luckily, the person she's looking for is directly behind her, so that that helps. Um, yeah, there's not, not much else to say about this minute. Most of it is, is joking around, but there is the briefcase peeking out from under the bed and obviously Cheryl is suspicious of Ted. Well, she did see Ted uh, arguing with the guy and such, so... Hey, you know, if you're going to be suspicious, why not Ted? Why not Ted, I say. So I, th- I think that's about it for this minute. So in the next minute, we're going to get a little more suspicious stuff and maybe another fun montage with dancing and singing. We'll see. <coughs> we'll see. Hey, maybe a werewolf will show up. Maybe we'll get more of that story with um, the the priest and the cop. The priest and the policeman. do 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 they have ever learned those aren't the words and I got the last note wrong there sorry anyway um, yeah that's the end of this episode of Howling 2 and 7-2 thank you so much for listening next up 28 we're going to the dark country not the old country I'm sorry I kept calling the old country and we're going to have Cheryl and Ted are going to have a little chat talk to you soon